Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. And hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, November 13th, 2014. I'm Alan Smith with Donna Smith, of course, and this is our Trucking Roundtable Open Forum on Blog Talk Radio. We like to have these open forums to give you, the listeners and callers, a chance to discuss whatever is on your mind as it relates to the industry and drivers. We throw up a few little ideas up there just to kind of get things, uh, thoughts rolling, such as a sleep apnea and CDL entry-level training, HOS rules, all the things you see there on the show. We have, uh, Donna, we have a few people I know that's going to be calling in, going yeah. to be discussing some really important things. Uh, lately on our um, on our open forums, uh, people have been, you know, notifying us in advance saying, you know, just to make sure that they get on because sometimes, sometimes they hang on and then, you know, there just isn't enough time. It's only a, a 90 minutes, sometimes two-hour show. So, uh, yeah, we do have some planned callers tonight, but, um, you know, we'll see. Sometimes, you know, they're drivers, and, and even though it's planned, they, they can't make it in, so don't let that deter you from calling in. No, not at all. Our call-in number, if you'd like to be a part of the show, 347-826-9170. Uh, we'll go to a quick break, and we'll get the Trucking Roundtable open forum started. I think James Lamb of the SBT. Small Business and Transportation Coalition going to be up first, Donna, right? Yep. Is that how you have yeah, it? Yeah, he's got a few minutes for us. He has to run out, but he wants to give us the update on uh, Mike's Law, which is the um, interstate right to carry uh, petition for drivers so that they can carry through four, all 48 without the um, – Re- of course, I don't. I never say this word. Repercussive laws, yeah. in effect. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll come back from this quick, quick break. Get James on here. I think Richard Wilson is with us. A few other callers ready to roll. So uh, we will take a quick break, break, and we will be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. 
There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Man, it's crowded tonight. Care if I join you? Sure, have a seat. Sorry about the paperwork. <laughs> Name's Cole. Appreciate it. I'm Harlan, by the way. Here's a fill-up for you guys. Thanks, honey. Harlan, you look hungry. What can I get you? I'll have a Coke and whatever he's having. Back in a bit. What are you doing with all this paperwork, driver? Looks like you're tripping over your trip sheets. want to get a jump on these taxes before they jump me. There is a better way to manage your trucking paperwork. With TripSheetCentral.com, you're a login away from tracking every aspect of your business. TripSheetCentral.com organizes your information easily so you can see how your business is performing. That sounds easy. And it's fast. Time-consuming paperwork is eliminated with a low-cost monthly subscription. I no longer have to worry about invoices, settlement reports, or fuel tax returns. TripSheetCentral.com does that for me. Manage your business information securely with TripSheet Central. Visit TripSheetCentral.com at your next stop. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back. Open forum tonight. We're going to hit first up uh, James Lamb of the uh, Small Business Transportation Coalition who uh, launched a petition to Congress calling for truckers to have the right to carry the firearms nationwide. That petition can be found at interstaterighttocarry.org. And so, James, I know you don't have much time, but welcome to the show. Hey, good evening again, uh, Alan and Don, and thanks for having me back. Hey, always glad to have you. You're going to uh, uh, had some pretty good exciting news about this uh, Mike's Law deal. What's going on? Yeah, you know, well, we've uh, we've been meeting with folks in Congress for the last, oh, I guess, 45 days or so, and uh, I think we're we're almost ready to announce that uh, that we have a sponsor. We uh, we're in serious, uh, significant uh, negotiations or discussions, I guess you would say, with um, the folks at uh, the Honorable Senator Marco Rubio's office, the uh, senator for uh, Florida here. And uh, we're having a big meeting tomorrow with them, and we expect that uh, as a result of that meeting, we uh, we hopefully will have a, a significant announcement to make. And, um, you know, we, we think it's really now a matter of uh, the details and uh, going through the exact language of our uh, proposed bill. You may recall that we put up our original draft on the web at uh, mikesgunlaw.org, and that's still up there as an initial draft. And uh, so now we're kind of getting into the meat and potatoes here. It's very exciting. Um, you know, this is uh, part of the political process, and this is what organizations like SBTC um, really is all about, uh, being able to um, 
start and launch uh, petitions and ask for new laws, and, and so it looks like we're uh, we're heading in that direction. Well, I, I just want to mention that I noticed a lot of people, uh, first of all, well, just for everybody who doesn't know, um, Mike's Law was named after uh, Mike Baglin, who was murdered on uh, June 26th in Detroit. Um, he was shot, killed, his truck set on fire. Uh, his uh, his pregnant wife, Ashley Baglin, um, you know, I mean, that was quite a show we had. She was on the show, obviously very distraught and wants to do something about this. And she has been known to say that um, truckers, uh, you know, need a safe haven. And she is supporting this because I know a lot of people are, you know, have asked, oh, well, you know, it's called Mike's Law. Does his wife know? Yeah, she knows and she supports it and she's on board with it. So um, that should put that to rest right there. Um, Have you gotten to speak with her lately, uh, James? We do a lot of chatting. I haven't spoken to her on the phone in a while, but uh, we do a lot of chatting on Facebook and social media, as you know. And you know, it's uh, it's a tough it's a tough situation. And um, you know, one of the things that I uh, said to the folks in the trucker that did that story on Mike's Law about uh, two weeks ago uh, in that interview, I said it was really tough to, to have that conversation with her. You know, here here this woman had uh, a husband, and he didn't return one night, and he was shot and killed, as you just said. And uh, here we were then, uh, you know, not not too many weeks later having a discussion with her about the notion of uh, us trying to protect truckers in the future and give them the the right to bear arms, uh, which, you know, they already have under the Second Amendment, but trying to get the states to to respect that, those anti-gun states, I, I like to call them. And uh, you know, we were saying, would you would you be okay with us naming this law after your late husband? And it's a gun law, and of course, her husband's life was you know taken away uh, by by guns. So um, you know, she uh, she was a, a brave soul, and you know, she she really um, went to to bat with us, and she said, yeah, you know, Mike uh, used to you know be uh, a fan of of um, you know the sportsman type. Uh, gun usage and, and basically that he was a supporter of gun guns rights and um, you know she said I think he would be honored to uh, to have the name uh, have the law named after him so tough discussion but a uh, very strong young woman and, and we're really glad to have her on board with us. Well, let me. Uh, I mean, this is a roundtable. Let me open. Oh, I was going to grab Richard, but I don't see him up there now. Let me open up the line for North Dakota area code seven zero one. Uh, because this is a roundtable discussion, just in case anybody else wants to jump in. So who who we have here, 701 area code? Hi, it's Deb. Oh, hey, Deb. Okay, well, your line's open, just letting you know, and uh, uh, if feel free to jump in at any time. But go ahead, go ahead, James. I mean, one thing I understand about this is that the uh, members of Congress and their staffers were reading the petition today. Is that correct? Well, yeah, they, you know, they've been following it um, on a daily basis over the last week, uh, and I've been having daily phone calls with them. So, you know, we've been uh, in close contact, and and they're watching the uh, petition rise. Uh, the last time that we did a call here and we we did a show on this, uh, I think we only had about 1,500 or so signatures on our petition. And uh, after you know the show and and after uh, a number of other things like the trucker publicizing this. Man, those those petition signatures they went through the roof, and we're at about 7,700 now, 
And uh, so they're oh. watching the petition grow. And, you know, there there are some other um, politics that are going on, you know, that are beyond this issue. And, you know, a lot of folks you know, have aspirations for a higher office and things like that. So, you know, this is a, a really good time right after the election for, you know, 2014 as we start to gear up toward the next real big election, which, of course, is the presidential election for 2016. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on here, you know, that uh, are kind of subliminal and they're behind the scenes. But, you know, um, this is the type of thing where candidates will now start to, uh, you know, or potential candidates, I should say, will now start to look for support for their candidacy for higher office. And this is the type of thing when, uh, you know, when we see somebody like uh, Marco Rubio step up here and uh, and get behind something like this that will make conditions better and safer for truckers, well, you know, it's kind of like uh, things are all coming together. And what what would – I have a question for you, James. Let me, uh, let me, let me open up. Our, our lines are filling up here, so I'm just trying to uh, see where everybody's calling in from. Uh, but let me open up a uh, uh, caller uh, from Missouri, area code 417. Your line is open. Welcome to the show. Who do we have here? Oh, Alan, it's Hal. Oh, hey, Hal. Good. Good to have you. Well, your lines are open, so feel free to jump in at any time. But, Donna, you were going to ask a question? Yes. I was going to ask James to please define the basic of uh, what this law will do because, you know, so many people are under the impression that, oh, no, now, you know, old truckers are going to have guns and and tell me if I'm wrong. When, When it's brought up to me like that, I say, no, these truckers already have guns it's just changing uh the 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 states they go through the laws there so would you answer it that same way or yeah let me uh i missed one here let me open up the line from uh uh my uh birth state arkansas area code 479 your line is now open who do we have here caller from arkansas area code 479 yeah i'm sorry i was on mute alan this is les willis Oh, hey, Les. Okay, your line is open, and more lines are popping up here wanting to get in. Uh, Texas, area code 210. Is this Jeff? Yeah, this is Jeff. I don't have much of a voice, so I won't be talking much tonight. I've got, I'm getting over a cold right now. Well, keep your ears on as long as your ears are okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I want, I want to make it... A, I want to make it a round table open forum so all the lines are open. James, North Dakota, Missouri, Arkansas, Texas. Uh, let's see, I've got Tennessee, New Jersey, uh, a bunch of others. They're just listening right now. But all your lines are open. Feel free to jump in at any time. And uh, but uh, okay, James, did you catch uh, Donna's question? Yeah, I did. And uh, to answer that question, you know, Mike's law is really designed to create a alternative to the existing system where right now, you know, we're, we're kind of relying on state permits, uh, state concealed carry, business carry, whatever you want to call them, whatever your state calls them. We're, we're basically relying on your base state to issue you a permit, and then you hope, as you engage in interstate transportation, in interstate commerce, you hope that other states that you're going to go through have, have decided to grant reciprocity. There's that word, Donna, right? Uh, yeah, to, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a tough one. To uh, to your state, so that your permit is honored in those other states, and that's not the case throughout the nation. And of course, there are certain states 
within the Northeast, like New York and New Jersey. I was going through New York uh, today, and you know how many states they grant reciprocity to? They grant reciprocity to, to one state, and that state is called New York City, according to the according to the chart. And so, in other words, it's only the city of New York that has a more stringent permit system than the state of New York do they uh, do they give reciprocity to. And there's no other state. So, you know, these are these are folks that, um, you know, if you if you go into New York State, if you have any business there, you're traveling through the Northeast. If you have a Florida permit or a Texas permit or a Georgia permit, no matter what state, it's not honored in New York. And you know, one of the things that I was doing today on Facebook was I was kind of uh, debating uh, one of the one of the truckers uh, in the trucker group, and we were basically talking about this. And and I said, you know, I said. The, uh, the fact of the matter is that you can't get through New York uh, with, with a firearm. It's just not going to happen. And those states will be happy to allow truckers to bring product in so that their uh, shelves are stocked in their stores. But what about the fact that that trucker has to go to sleep at night and can't find that safe parking and then winds up in a situation like Mike Faglin and ultimately uh, is faced with the unfortunate situation of being confronted with violence? So well, that question, came, that question came up on uh, another conference call uh, where they said you cannot bring your gun through New York. And we thought, well, you know, how could that be? I mean, what do you do? You have to take it apart and, and put all the different parts in a different place and then it's allowed? Yeah, there's a difference between carrying the firearm in a readily accessible, loaded, um, you know, format as opposed to transporting an unloaded, stored firearm that you can't, you know, access. And so the, the idea here is that that's not going to do you any good in an emergency situation where you're confronted with deadly physical force being used against you. So, you know, none of, none of that really matters as far as, as far as possessing a firearm. It's more along the lines of having it readily available to defend against deadly physical force. Okay. Okay, but I know that question came up. Like New York was so bad, you can't, you know, bring the gun through, and and you know, they're talking about with it all, you know, in one piece, loaded and ready to roll. Yeah, and some people do do that, and some people are kind of uh, saying, well, the Second Amendment is my pistol license, and you know, I don't need anything, and then they run into these officers from time to time in states like New York, and I threw a bunch of articles. Uh, at this trucker, and I basically said, here you go. I said, this, these, is, these are the people that are getting arrested. Here's one that got arrested because he brought a, a gun that he had a permit for in his home state, and he didn't have one in New York, and New York doesn't grant reciprocity. Here's one where there were too many bullets in the clip, that famous seven-bullet-in-a-clip uh, law that got eventually thrown out by the New York courts, and I think it's now ten, but, I mean, they're 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 basically anti-gun states, and so... You know, it seems to me that we need a federal permit, and that's the whole idea of Mike's Law and the petition that overrules these states. And, you know, we were accused today of kind of, um, I guess, favoring the federal government at the expense of the state uh, governments and states' rights. And I said, wait a minute. I said, you know, the fact of the matter is this is about individuals' rights. This is about individuals' uh, safety and their ability to defend themselves. And the fact is that we're not infringing on anybody's rights as far as individuals go, as far as states go. 
basically what we're doing is we're saying it's already in the Constitution. The Commerce Clause empowers the federal government to do what we're asking them to do, create a federal permit system, and it's all in furtherance of interstate commerce under the Commerce Clause. And ultimately, um, you know, ATF as the agency that regulates firearms, they have the ability to do this and they have the ability to regulate this and, and they'll decide as a matter of rulemaking who is entitled to uh, qualify for these types of weapons. And like you said, Donna, we're not talking about you get a CDL and here's your gun permit. We're basically saying that there's a process that you have to go through and the government's going to do its diligence and it's going to determine whether you have after a background check, whether you have a criminal record and whether you should really be uh, traveling into other states with a firearm. And uh, as long as you don't have such a record, then we see under the Second Amendment there's no reason why you shouldn't. Okay. I'm trying to get this link up. Uh. Well, make it uh, all small letter, all small letters. Okay, uh, because that link. Well, you you made it a uh, you capitalized M G and L. Just make them a. Uh, Mike'sGunLaw.org is that work, yeah. link still working? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I just did it, and it goes okay. it, it goes to another you know uh, transfer site, but it works if the if the letters are all small. So okay. All right. Well, um, James, appreciate it. Uh, I don't know how much time you have. Uh, anybody else who you know your lines are open? Did y'all have a question for James or? You want to talk about what you want to talk? Who Who's up next? Deb, I think I had you up next. Um, any question, or did you have something else you want to talk about? Just listening. Huh? Alan, Just this listening. is Les Willis. I can jump in here if I might, if I may. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. We'll we'll get everybody. We have got plenty of time. Hey, James, you can hang on if you like. Uh, I just, you know, Donna told me you didn't have much time, but. Just whenever, however long you up, it's fine. But I have a feeling Les is going to say something about the gun law. Well, we're fixing oh, to find oh, out. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Les. Oh, okay. Thank you, um, James. What headwinds do you foresee coming down the future in the future, as far as your meeting with uh, Senator Rubio? Also, when we start looking at reciprocity uh, throughout the states and states' rights. When you have a CCW issued by, just say, Texas and reciprocity um, in Oklahoma, Arkansas, what have you, you know, everybody honoring that permit, are you basically looking at going with a concealed weapons permit, or is this going to be an open carry? I mean, how are you um, pushing this to Senator Rubio, um, or can you uh, expand on that? Um, well, we, we've we've recommended a concealed carry, and you know, um, wearing it out in the open is kind of uh, you know the, the type of thing that makes people nervous. And you know, the idea of having a firearm is really you know to use it in the event that something is is going down and, and you need. It. And uh, you know, there is a deterrent factor as far as keeping it out in the open, but ultimately most of the states already have um, you know this type of a permit where it's considered to be a concealed carry. Um, for business purposes. So we've recommended that format, and it's all open to uh, revisions and edits, and, you know, once it gets to a committee and other members of Congress get a hold of it, they can do, you know, many things to it. But, But we're basically saying that the current system is not working because the states that are anti-gun states, those states 
can choose not to grant reciprocity. And the reason why we're not infringing on their rights to regulate what happens within their borders is because we're not saying that this new permit, this federal permit, will replace the existing structure. We're just saying that there's a new category that's tied into, number one, business needs, and number two, someone that's an American citizen going from one state to another for work purposes engaging in interstate commerce. And, of course, a trucker is the prime example of that. So once we get into that that arena, then if it, if it comes down to a trucker coming into a state, let's say, like New York or going through a state like New York, the fact is that he's not operating point-to-point point within the state. He's entering the state from outside the state. So that then means that he's engaged in interstate transportation, interstate commerce, and the federal government has the right under the Constitution to regulate that without infringing upon the Tenth Amendment, which is federalism and basically reserving any powers that are not granted to the federal government in the Constitution to the states or to individuals. It, it's, it's still, it still um, you know, meets the standard of respecting state rights. Do you see, um, as far as the training, I, I know that we had discussed this before, is this an ATF course that, you, that you're suggesting? I mean, anybody can go in and, you know, you, you've got hazmat drivers. I've been fingerprinted so many times that it's not even funny. Um, yeah. I've had federal background checks done. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Where do you see ATF coming into the picture, and what type of training are you suggesting that the ATF um, take up to grant this uh, type of federal permit that's uh, 48 or 50, 50, I guess it would be 50 states wide? And the other question that I have is how do you convince these companies that have a no-weapons policy for drivers that are going down the road how how would you combat that issue well let's take let's take one of them at a time so with respect to training what we're doing here is we're we're basically creating what is known in government as enabling legislation so in other words congress enables the atf agency to create this permit program there would be certain requirements in terms of reporting back to congress on the successes and failures of the program but in essence they're enabled to take the essence of this idea and implement it through the rulemaking process. So in other words, first the law gets passed, and then the, the ATF has a certain amount of time to actually implement the law that's built into the, the actual statute, and then whatever training or requirements you know, are uh, going to be mandated, it's going to happen at that rulemaking level. There's going to be public notice and comment on what the proposed rule is going to be in an advanced notice of proposed rulemaking. And then at the end of that process, there will be a final rule, and there will basically be, you know, a, a set of guidelines, if you will. And what the actual training should consist of, well, that's the type of thing that we have to leave to the experts in the agency. And there will be law enforcement folks who will talk, you know, and train folks, I'm sure, about the use of deadly physical force, uh, the, um, you know, the force continuum, meaning, you know, you're supposed to use a firearm as a last resort. You're supposed to try to use physical force, verbal commands, physical force, other, you know, me mechanisms. 
to uh, to to deflect uh, deadly physical force being used against you. But if someone points a gun at you, then of course you have a, a gun as well. Then you're supposed to shoot first and protect your own life and the life of others that are being threatened. So that type of uh, training is really more like um, you know responsibility training and police type uh, training. And I think that that's probably what they would do. They would revert to what they normally teach, you know, like a police academy on when to use deadly physical force. So these are the things that we leave to the agency to actually fill in the details. Um, All right. Respect, okay. I think you had a second second part to that uh, that question. What was? What yeah. Was then the I got to move on to. Then I got to move on to other uh, you know callers. It was about the uh, company policy not carrying a, a weapon. Yeah, and just to, to do that real quick, I mean, it's about supply and demand. And I was telling Donna that we really, you know, should be thinking about this in terms of truckers interviewing carriers, and carriers should, you know, then be held accountable for for making sure that they have policies in place that will keep uh, drivers, you know, safe. So if the driver doesn't like that particular company's policy with the shortage that's going on and capacity problems, he can say, you know, I think I'm just going to move on to another carrier that has a better gun policy. Yeah, because basically company policy, company policy. So this, uh, if this becomes a law, it wouldn't wouldn't affect that anyway. I mean, you know. I know a lot of drivers that it's against the company policy, and they don't care. They carry anyway. They just don't, you know, advertise it. They just do it. Yeah, but it'd still be company policy. Well, hey James, really appreciate it, and uh, we'll keep an eye on it, man. It's getting close. Yep. All right. Thanks much, and, and we'll talk soon. Okay, All right. Thanks. thanks. Appreciate it. Let me open up a few more lines here, and then we'll go down the line here and see what everybody has to say. Uh, oh, where did that one go? Oh, okay. Well, here's uh, – I know here's uh, Jenny Lennox with, Lennox with Healthy Cooking. Uh doesn't have her hand up, but I think she wanted to be a part of the show. Jenny, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> have your line open. We'll get to you here in a second. And call her from Florida, right here in Florida, area code uh, – 727, we'll open up that line. Uh, who do we have here? Uh, Tom, Tom and Gualdi. Oh, okay, Tom, good. All right, so I'll get your name up there. Let me start up here from uh, from the scratch, who was the kind of first ones to pop up. But, Deb, I'm back to you. Uh, oh, we could have a whole whole show on the gun law, so anyway, let's, let's keep rolling on open forum. What do you got for us? <coughs> well, or... Or are you just listening? About <laughs> no, I I understand where it's coming from with the gun law, but uh-huh. if you go back to the whole issue of why he created it, the place that Michael parked, and the parking issue is what I think needs to be addressed more. I think drivers need to create some kind of dialogue with shippers and receivers. And, and we're working on that. Known, there has to be made known safe parking areas. You're always going to have renegade truckers who think they can park wherever they want. I see it all the time. But I think for the ones of us who do park legal and who don't want to park illegally, it would be nice to have a database set up for the shippers and receivers to say, if you get here before your time, here's a list of available parking places. (laughs) You know, I think if we could eliminate the need to carry a weapon, it would help. Well, you know, and and that's a, that's a good point. 
and I'm trying to get to our website. Somebody posted a link on trucking. So or did, they didn't post it. They sent it to us uh, on our resource page, and it's actually all the shippers and receivers that allow parking. I'm looking for it now. I'm trying to see where it is. But if you just go on the truckingsocialmedia.com resources page, mm-hmm. and it, it'll show you uh, a list. It looks like it's a pretty comprehensive list of uh, places you can park. Uh, as soon as I get it, I'm going to try to uh, put it in the chat room, too. No, that's Tom's. Okay. okay. Yeah, well, I mean, she's right. She has a good point. It's, uh, you know, it's always been a problem. Well, this is, part, this, is, this is part also of what um, the NADA site. Now, if, if, if shippers and receivers want to help out with this, and that's part of their um, accountability uh, that they want to provide, uh, either provide the parking themselves or provide a list of nearby parking or something that's exactly, you know, the kind of uh, working together type of thing that the site is trying to achieve. But, yeah, no, the parking issue definitely, I mean, it's it's a problem. And you know, we have don't there, know has there it, been huh? Has there been any drivers that have actually tried to open up dialogue with these places that M- don't Many places parking? do already. You know, oh, I'm sorry. To, to find out. Many places what do happens. what already? They are, there, there's many places that, that we go into that give us lists of available parking nearby. Uh, some, a, lot of the, a lot of the Walmart distribution centers are starting that. They have printed lists and say, because we all know we can't stay at Walmarts. Uh, and a lot of them are looking at, they tell you the distance to the local truck stops and, and, and the local parking areas that are, are truck-oriented, not just an empty lot somewhere. So, Uh, well, it's just, you know, work that's just going to have to continue. Hey, let me open up uh, line uh, New York, area code 607. I think this is Tom Kirk. Tom, welcome to the show. Hello, Alan and Donna. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Hey, we're down to about 50 minutes. I'm just going to kind of keep rolling here and everything, but it's a good point Dev's made up. Let me get to uh, Tom and Grawley. I know you're uh, you're kind of limited time here, but now Tom, we were uh, Donna was just talking about the North American Trucking Alerts, uh, which is going to be launching soon. Tom is going to be a contributor for NADA. So, both Toms. Yeah, both Toms. I'll start with Tom and Grawley here. Um, but Tom, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you uh, you know have joined up with NADA. Uh, I think it's a good central point for I, I've been pushing all along drivers to improve themselves, get get better, get better. If you improve yourself, your situation around you will get better. Uh, my my pet peeve being the 14-hour clock, that's that's the root of all evil. So so I, I excuse me. So so with this here, it gives a place for everybody to go. They can come here and look and choose what what their avenue is going to be to improve themselves. It, it I, I think it's going to be a great central point. Yeah, we look forward to uh boy, I'll tell you what I said last week. Oh, I hope I don't have to say that by you know, we have to wait a few more days to launch it, but well, it looks like, you know, it's better to wait a couple more days and get the refining parts all done than to to launch it a little early. So just give us a couple more days. We're almost there. We've got the articles up and uh, you know, just those finishing touches, and uh, yeah, you know, we have uh, you know the other founder of NADA, you know, Hal is with us, Hal Kia. Hal, you on there? Is your mic open? Hal, you're still up here. I'm still here. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Are you just listening or want to chime in? I mean, you know, you're you're a big part of NADA as well. So we've got Tom and Grawley here, who's a, a contributor. Tom Kirk here in a second, who's a contributor. So I've, I've got a list of all our contributors so far. I'm trying to find. Here it is: Tom Kirk, Jeff Barker, Brian Carlson, James Lamb, Joan Raby, Hal Kaya, Alan Smith, and Tom Ingraldi. In- could you say your name for me, Tom? I know I'm no, it's it up. much more fun for you to mispronounce it. Okay. How do you say it? I rarely say my last name. I enjoy the mispronunciation. Yeah, now I can't even speak. Oh so, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Nada, Nada is, uh, you know, Hal. It's, uh, you know, we've all been working on it. You know getting it ready to launch here so uh it's uh it's going to be a good thing going to have a lot of contributors to it a lot of input and content so uh it's it's getting close Hal. yep oh oh here did i put richard is richard is richard's mic open because he's a contributor also richard Uh, wilson yeah i don't see him up here okay i gotta type his name in okay he's in the chat room and and uh well, let me see here tom kirk uh yeah you're going to be uh a part of nada as well so uh, what was uh, what was your reason for joining i keep saying everybody keeps saying that they don't want the federal government involved in trucking whether it's with hours of service or various other issues and the point that i keep making is if we as an industry don't make the changes ourselves whether it has to do with with health hours of service whatever it is the government is going to have an excuse to come in and make the changes so unless if we want to keep the government out we have to start taking personal responsibility and the term that i like exactly personal responsibility accountability i like taking control if this truly is our industry we need to take control, whether it's our health, whether it's other things. Now, I understand there's certain things that we have no direct control of, but we can start using influence because there is a strength in our voice. You know, there, you know, instead of saying this problem's too big or we can't do this or we can't do that, do what you can. Because if you do what you can to be legal or to be healthy or to be whatever it is, you're taking away one of the excuses for people to come in to do things you don't want to do. And if everybody starts doing that, soon we're going to be on the you know on, on the path to getting everything done. You know, Jeannie Lennox, she's you know I'm working on my own health projects in terms of getting the word out to drivers in terms of you know cooking and being healthy on the truck and how to have a better and happier life on the truck. Jeannie and I just recently met this week, and she came up with a similar idea, and she's working on a on a similar project from her own direction. But this is examples of how we have drivers can do it. You know, it's not hard to cook on the truck if you choose to or figure out ways to eat healthier even if you don't eat on, you know, cook on the truck. There are ways to do it, but it's just all a matter of figuring out what works for you and having the desire to improve yourself. In, in your first statement there, you know, you're saying we need to get together. We're the backbone of this country. We should act like we are the backbone and, and have a backbone of our own because we get together with, with the strongest industry here. We're what keeps the country running. Well, you know the the the, the comment Tom uh, Tom made about you know if we can get people to work together uh, on all the issues without bias, without selfishness, and I think Alan said that in his video when when he when he made that video, um, then 
you don't need the government to babysit and dictate because True. really all they're doing is refereeing a bunch of people who can't get together on things and support one another in a fair and just way. So, uh, for example, if the shippers, receivers, for example, say, okay, you know, we're going to do something about parking, we're going to help you uh, do our part in it, then that's that's one area of the industry who's being accountable and taking their head out of the sand to these problems and saying, well, it's not my problem, that's their problem. Because that's the whole problem you know, of the world right now. That, that, that's the biggest statement right there is why should I? And sometimes the easiest thing is a change in attitude. You know, you, you're doing something because. Well, think of why you're doing that. I used the example in a post I put up yesterday. You know, you're, you're about to open your doors for, to, 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 to back into a dock. Uh, everybody pulls out and they're blocking the whole place. Now, if you just park straight and you're sitting there, you can think to yourself, you know, I'm helping that driver. You're changing nothing in your life, nothing. All you're doing is still opening your doors, getting ready to back in that door, and three trucks went by. But your mind can say, I helped those drivers, yet I did nothing. Because the selfishness still has to be there. You can't get the selfishness out of people. So so you right. just change your attitude in, in, in what you're thinking and how you're thinking it. It doesn't take anything to have an extra thought to help somebody if it's not costing you anything. And that's the thing here is if they got the selfishness, use it to an advantage. As long as it's not costing you anything, do something for somebody else. It's very simple. Well, that that's why I think this uh, website is really going to take off because, you know, it, it's really a call to, to, you know, get over yourself type of thing, Okay. And um, well, we had a, a very encouraging um, conversation with uh, someone in the industry the other day who is going to be uh, stepping up and, and really doing something wonderful. I don't want to reveal it right now, um, but it's something huge, and they're very excited to be on board with NADA. Uh, they're a pretty big organization. Um, actually, there's an, uh, quite a few organizations, and we haven't even fully launched yet. So we're we're pretty excited how this uh this is coming down. So we appreciate everybody uh here who has, you know, contributors and wh- whoever is is coming forward and and going to be a part of this. And you're all a part of it. Yeah, let, let me open up a few more lines. Richard Wilson's jumped back in here. Richard, your line is open and uh let's see. I've got uh Hal, I, Hal, I know you're working on a, a video as well. I mean, as you know, as you're, you know, one of the founders of NADA. So, how's it, how's everything going on your end? Well, I'm I'm working on putting another one together, but you know, I've got the one video up right now. That's that's already in there. Basically, I saying welcome to, to NADA. But uh, now I've, I've got some other things that I'm trying to work on that you know I can go. Yeah, I mean it's it's a little rougher for you. I mean you're you're out there on the road doing what everybody's doing, but you've uh, you've been you've been doing uh, uh, what you can out there, been helping Nato quite a long, Donna. So I mean it's it's getting ready. It is. It is. Matter of fact, I'm trying to get your video. I had it pinned to the top, and I. I I'm going to have to start making these open forums longer, uh, Jeannie. I'm just going to have to. Uh, Yank you in here to get you talking. I mean, I know you have. Uh, you have. Oh, I know. I know. Sometimes we get rolling on these open forums, and I have trouble getting in. But uh, you're, yeah. you're you specialize in a healthy cooking site for truckers. I mean, tell us more about that and uh, what what you have going on over there. 
Well, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I've been team driving with my um, husband over the road for about eight years now. And prior to truck driving, I owned a catering business. So I've got a little bit of a background in cooking. Um, It's a passion that I have. Um, After driving on the road for about two years, I gained about 20 pounds. Never had a weight issue in my life and wasn't happy with the 20 pounds. Um, Really started realizing that this industry can really take its toll on your health. And so about a year ago, I decided that I needed to, you know, make a change and start um, making better choices and put my cooking abilities to better use. So now my goal is to maintain my own health and to share my ideas and tips with other uh, drivers and help people, you know, get a little bit healthier with their lifestyles and and make healthier choices. Um, I've recently started a Facebook page called Heart Smart Highway. Um, that'll be posting different um, recipes and sharing tips and just anything really related to healthy living. So it's kind of what I got now going do you, on. Now, do you have a website or are you or just on I, the social media Facebook now? Okay. I just have the Facebook page right now. Hopefully the website will come in the near future. And what is that Facebook uh, page? It is called um, Heart Smart Highway. Okay, that's the one that um, we were just invited to today, correct? That's correct, yes. Heart, Heart Smart Highway. Heart Smart Highway. Now, I notice that's a closed group, so is that invitation only? Um, I believe it is, yes. When I set that up, I was undecided exactly how to do it. I looked at how some other people had theirs formatted and just kind of decided to go middle of the row with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's a great deal. I mean, healthy cooking always, especially for truck, it is it is a rough lifestyle. You know, we all we all can relate to that. Uh, just keep hanging on with us, uh, Richard. Uh, I'm, let's get you. Let's see. I'm looking at the time. Les, you've been uh, you've been quiet. Am I going to have to pull you in here? Oh no. <laughs> uh, all of my questions was uh, geared towards uh, James Lamb and and his fight uh, going with. Uh, his uh, oh, okay. reciprocity stuff, and that was me. So I've kind of digressed, right. and I've, I've been on mute, kind of listening to everybody. And uh, okay, stuff, like a, a great deal going on. So I'll go back to mute and listen to the show. Okay, well, just so you know, That's I'm just leaving. Every- <laughs> I'm just leaving everybody's lines open. So if you're quiet for a while, I have a tendency to yank you in here. So, all right, Richard. Uh, you are back. What's uh? Haven't talked to you in a while. What's going on? No, just uh, the no- <clears throat> normal stuff. Regulations and regulations and regulations. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound really excited about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just I've been really busy lately. So you know, it's been trying to do what I do. You know, like with helping Hal and stuff like that with the regulatory side and. You know, notifying and posting drivers what's going on. Some important information came out today regarding um, <clears throat> notice of comments on the uh, uh, electronic onboard recorder um, uh, study that came out uh, about harassment of drivers and so forth and so on. We still got time to file some comments on that. I try to encourage people to file comments. Um, you know, is that the is that the one from the ATRI Institute? That's part of it. That's what the study. Uh, okay. And, and 
they put they they put it out in the OMB today and put it out on the mm-hmm. uh, federal uh, notification to um, uh, you know make comments on the report of the Atari, Atari report that came out um, and then just. Uh, uh, putting together, working on what went down in the Mixac committee meeting we were at, uh, following up on some of the stuff on that. It's just been a lot going on, really. It's been kind of quiet with the changes in Washington, but um, stuff that's already on the board, electronic on-board recorders, uh, insurance issues are still uh you know, beat banging around pretty, you know, pretty healthy and trying to get the uh, insurance, the new insurance, uh, um, you know, costs down to a manageable level right now. They're completely out of control. Um, you know, they need to bring it down. They're revisiting it now and, and they're looking at data. So just a lot been going on, you know, in the in the Washington scene, you know, and I got and just, you know, I'm the, right now I'm the only driver, only person that represents the driver on the committee anymore. Nobody's coming anymore. I know we made that 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 comment out a couple of days ago on Facebook, and so you know, people who are listening now, um, uh, Richard Wilson of TCRG Consulting is also a contributor to the North American Trucking Alerts, um, uh, author ar- authoring articles. Uh, can you tell people a little bit about yourself and um, you know what made you uh, you know be a part of the North American Trucking Alerts uh, contributor? Well, I've been I've been friends with Hal and Tom and 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 everybody. And, you know, we've always you know worked towards trying to improve our industry. And and you know, I've always taken it upon myself to try to interpret, you know, train, explain, you know, to drivers to make them more informed of what's going on on the uh, wash on the DC level, you know, and try to keep them up to breast on what's going and keep them involved. So, you know, North America, you know, when they're doing trucking alerts, you know, uh, trucking alerts, not only as weather and accidents, but it's already, it's also, uh, things going on in DC that affect them. Exactly. Okay. What do you think about the industry fixing itself with a site like this, you know, uh, being accountable, addressing the problem, and saying, "Okay, this is what we're doing," okay, rather than waiting for a bunch of regulations. How do you feel I think about it's that? Good. I think it's going. I think it's going to give them a good clearinghouse to get truthful, uh, accurate, concise information without having to, you know, search through the, uh, you know, the cabbage leaves to get the head of the cabbage. Uh, they're going to be able to, you know, the information is going to be time sensitive, uh, current, and up to date, and I think that's very important because. You know, if you depend on, you know, articles being written in magazines, you know, sometimes three, four, five days can make a big difference, you know, especially, uh, you know, some of the newer regulations that have been boiling around for the last couple of years in the past, you know, all of a sudden are going to come to fruition and, you know, people need to know about it immediately or, if uh, notice come out to where, you know, we need to, you know, band together and, and, and talk about it, you know, and make comments on it, then we need to get that as soon as it comes out, have it ready, available, and get busy and start sending comments in. Okay, okay. great. Well, we'll... Pre- Who was that? Fiasco with it, the, the certificate, the, the doctors being have to be DOT certified to prevent that fiasco. Most people didn't know until they went for their physical. This, this gives a place for them to look. Yeah, and the thing about it is we've been telling everybody for four years, but everybody ignored it, and they'd rather sit there and talk about how fast their truck goes. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I really don't I heard care there was quite an excitement in the group. 
Yeah, I, I hate to tell you how fast your truck. I, you know, I really, you know, it's great. You got a fast truck, but if you're not qualified to drive it, you ain't going to drive it. So you know, when you go, when you go to your family doctor, yeah, and when you get your CDL, you know, downgraded to a Class D because you didn't go to a, you know, certified physician, and you know, it's a shame because, like you said, and it really is a shame how many people really don't understand what that rule is and how many people are going to get caught. They, they, they hear something. I call it the white sheet syndrome. They, they hear something and think it's absolute, and they, know, they don't bother checking, and then by the time it, it bites them in the butt, they don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, how many years have we all been hearing about the white sheets? We must have white sheets in our truck. Uh, you know, it's false. It's always been false, but you still hear it to this day. 20 years I'm driving, I'm still hearing drivers saying, oh, i got my white sheets. They're folded because I don't want them on my bed. <laughs> Silliest thing. Silliest yeah. things I hear. Hey, well, Richard, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you ever get uh, frustrated with, you know, the complaints versus the actions um, that that go on? Uh, that is not the <laughs> Yeah, uh, I do. I do. I do. Uh, I, and, you know, the funny thing about it is I'm the first person to tell anybody there's no such thing as a, a dumb question. But recently, I think I'm starting to change that a little bit because I'm getting some pretty dumb ones, you know. And and I really, you know, the thing about it is it just it just goes to prove my point about the training of drivers. It's so essential and it needs to be really, you know, addressed because you know, you know, like we've said for years, this this down the down dumbing down of drivers to fill seats is is one of the lead indicators and causes of crash causation and you know these these advocates in Washington you know they can't get through that through their head they'd rather just throw more laws make it more confusing you know give the carriers more positioning to uh cause their drivers to do things that are unsafe not reward them for admitting their fatigue and force them to do stuff and in reality are creating crash causation when in the meantime if they would have just listened to the drivers and what's going on you know they and and, and kept the sort of you know kept the good quality drivers and not run them the heck out of the industry our crash rates would be going down just like they were pre-2008 we're, we're, well, we're you know, uh, unskilled labor. You know, oh, that, well, that's been... Yeah, Donald, hey, don't get me started about unskilled labor. Mm. Well, then executives believe that. I mean, I, I can see our company executives come in, the new truck comes in, they drive it around the parking lot and say, this drives like a, an RV. And they assume that because it drives so simple that... Anybody can try it. We can put any monkey in the seat. They forget all the nuances that it takes us not to go to, to, not to kill somebody or be killed. And it's not just a job. This is a life. Life, you know, that this is every bit as as, as important as, as the military. Uh, maybe not as dangerous, but we still have things that we need to take care of. We can't just hold the steering wheel and drive down the road. Well, we're we be- driving with. Reactive. They're not driving if, proactive. If we want to be, if we want to be classified as skilled labor, we have to have a skill set to base that on, and that has to be set by training. And training yes. standards have yes. to be established. Yes. And until they establish training standards, we'll never be classified as skilled labor. And and, and I think that is one of the reasons why the standards haven't been set because that's going to open up a whole can of worms. Absolutely, uh, if, they if, don't want it. Skilled okay, salaries will have to that's improve right. for skilled labor. 
No, they don't mm-hmm. want any skilled labor. No, and we're not talking to small mom and pop carriers. We're not you know talking to you know ten, fifteen, twenty. We're talking to major carriers. You know the top one hundred in this country. You know they don't they they don't want intelligent people. That's why they're all in bed with all these electronic people doing all this electronic babysitting, because what they're doing is they're basically admitting that they can't hire and train a qualified driver, so they're going to put electronic babysitting in the equipment to drive for them. Yeah, well, the smarter companies are realizing the babysitting doesn't work. Look at that Prime that removed their front radar because it was failing so often that the drivers were depending on it to the point that they were ignoring it, and they were getting in more accidents than, 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 than because people were depending on the idiot box. Well, instead of instead of Prime putting uh, uh, 17,230 units in their trucks at approximate cost of about $944 per unit installed at the factory, should have given it to the driver. Yep, yep. <laughs> and they did another thing. They, they removed, they the, they removed the handbrake. They yeah, removed they the handbrake because, yeah, well, they, they removed the handbrake because of improper use. Again, what back to what you said. You don't remove a tool that is useful. You train right. them how to use it. Yeah, and so, and, and the thing and about it is, goes back to training. That's what it is. I mean, they're just looking for, you know, they're trying they're trying to put a Band-Aid over a juggler bleed, and they need to revert back to the very basics. Every good person, every good qualified safe driver out there probably has got a lot of experience, and they didn't learn it at a $125 CDL mill. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just, I just want to interject here for a minute, and listening to everybody, and I don't know if um, everybody's aware of the Canadian Trucking Alliance, the, the video they, they put out. I put it out in the chat room. Richard, you saw it. If you could bookmark yeah. it and look at it later. I don't know if you've seen it yet. But um, the, 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 the video is incredible when you watch it because one of the things they address is the training. They address respect. They address the wages. And when you listen to this video... Um, Alan, isn't it, when we were talking about it before, isn't it like just as though a bunch of drivers got together and put a video together of everything that needed to be done for the industry? Yeah, yeah it doesn't sound like a, a trucking association. It sounds like a bunch of uh, drivers, but it sure puts the ATA to shame. I wish they'd come down here and run this country. <laughs> and and I, I, I tell you what. I oh, mean, I lost Jeannie. Man, Jeannie just wanted to talk about healthy cooking. She didn't know what she got herself into. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I think we really need to get that out. Um, Alan posted that link up on the Trucking Social Media Resource page today under Organizations. So if you go to truckingsocialmedia.com and just click on the resource page, you'll find uh, the video and and the organization there. But, I mean, it seems like they really have it. And it's encouraging to read because, you know, you don't feel alone in this whole thing. Richard, you know, how, how about a year or two ago we spoke about, you know, getting people to mix sack, and I remember, God love him, Fred Schaffner, you know, he, he used to love going up there and everything. Um, you know, wh- what can you say? I mean, drivers drive. They can't always make it to Washington. There's no parking, and it's difficult. What message would you want to give them today? Um, well, First thing we do is we try to give them enough notice uh, ahead of time as, as possible. As soon as the notifications come out, we've noticed here recently they're coming out uh, later and later and later uh, to the date of the actual meeting, which is nothing we can control. 
But, um, you know, I try to put as much notification out there. Uh, you know, if, if, if a drivers or especially like owner-operators, um, you know, which are, you know, individually have a, have a say about something that may not be affected by a major corporation because they have their own representatives that come there. But, uh, you know, to make some type of arrangement if they have to, to park outside, there's a train that comes right to the Hilton right there at uh, King Street in Old Town. They can get off the train. Todd Dills rides the train in from the airport and from outside of town. Uh, come in, spend the day. It's going to be boring as heck. You're going to have to sit there and listen. You can't make comments during it. you got to wait your time, and then they give you four minutes. And let me tell you something, you can stir up a lot of tempers in eight hours to be able to give a four-minute speech on what you want to tell about what they just talked about. But the participation portion of it and just to hear what is really being said and then make, makes you more of an enlightened driver when you get out there because you know what you're talking about. And if you get one driver and I tell a driver and they tell 10 drivers and then you get 20 drivers at a meeting and they tell, you know, 140 drivers and it just, you know, with the social media the way it is, you got all these people out there in their own little groups and they're, and they're putting the real data out there that's happening and they inform people. It's going to make a better informed, you know, uh, population of drivers. So when this stuff comes up, they'll be able to uh, relate to exactly how it affects them. And I think that's what they want to hear in Washington. How does it relate to you? How does it, you know, how is it relative to you financially, uh, physically, and, you know, um, you know, mentally? And, and I, think, I think that needs to be said. And all the people in the world can represent 100,000 people, but that's not, not 100,000 people talking. They're listening to one person, so we need to get more voice in Washington. Okay, we need that's to get with citizen. Yeah, we need to get like NATO. You know, you know, people, because, people because part of these they, groups need to be in there. Yeah. you know what I mean. They represent a lot of right. people. Yeah, the pass down information gets to be like a game of telephone. Uh, yeah. You know, you, they, you pass down information, and the next one, he, he's got his own translation. And by the time it gets down to the, the you, know, you know, ten people down, it's a whole wrong statement. So the, the, the NAT is going to be great for bringing people in and have a central point. So instead of trying to pass on information, you give them here. This is where you get the information. It's, good, it's just going to work out a lot better. Now, I mean, the last MCSAC meeting I went to, I tweeted from the meeting, and I posted from the entire meeting as it was being presented. And, yeah, you I and mean, Todd Dills, we did a lot of retweeting of those tweets. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's uh, – what else can you do? You know I mean? I have limited resources to what I can do, but sit there and as they put it up on the board, and we're fortunate enough to being at the meeting, we have inside people that pass us down information that we can, you know, we can uh, download. And then as they're talking about it, we can go ahead and put repost it out. But, you know, that I, I can reach more people that way, you know, really than writing about it afterwards, you know, while it's actually going on. Okay. Any of anything else? Oh, Richard, what give put out give out your website again where people can get a hold of you. It's uh www.tcrgconsulting.com. Um and uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm under TCRG as well as uh Richard Wilson and um they can, if they have any questions, they can email me at uh regguy r e g g u y at comcast.net. 
All right. And, uh, hey, Tom Kirk, you uh, uh, you have a great blog over there, too, roadtestedliving.com. How's everything going over there? It, it's actually in the process of being rebuilt as we speak. Um, people who maybe have been keeping an eye on it have noticed over the last month or so, it, not much activity has been going on that or new activity on my Facebook page, Road Tested Living without the G. Uh, but that's because we're in the process of basically jacking the, the website up and running a whole new one under it. Uh, I was running into some problems with being on the road, trying to get it maintained, keep it looking right and everything working right. So I've decided I had to go back, rebuild it from scratch. And if everything goes to plan, it will be up and running by December 1st. Uh, I'd hope to have it up and running by now, but with me being on the road trying to get everything that the website developer needs has made life a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, but that, that, like I said, should be done by December 1st. Uh, but you, you, still the basic information is there for everybody who wants it. Uh, new updates will be coming soon. But it, 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 things are going good. Things are going good with it. And, well, you, you know, you're a driver health member of the Trucking Solutions Group, so any any news over there? Uh, we're, we're we're looking and working on bringing some new events to both the Mats and the Gats show. Gats, I can't say much because that's still very much in the early planning stage. For Mats, we will be doing our annual health walk and blood drive, as well as working with the Bone Marrow and Stem Cell Registry Group, Make It Happen USA. But the new news, the biggest news is, we are uh, working on bringing a mammogram bus to uh, Mats for the lady drivers. Uh, the there is the, we're still waiting to have confirmation that we have the booth space on there. We're about 95% certain it's going to be there for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We're just waiting to get confirmation because there's some special requirements because of the equipment that has to be brought in for the space. Uh, but at this point, we, we're 95% certain we're going to be there. Uh, it'll be all three days. If you have insurance, uh, they will accept insurance. If you don't have insurance or you don't have the ability to pay, there are going to be grants available there. So even for the lady drivers who want to get a mammogram, going, I don't have the time, or excuse me, I don't have the money, uh, go over there. There will be people there to talk to you. Uh, it'll be, you know, a very, it'll be a way that pretty much no driver who wishes to have a mammogram done. Uh, there will be no reason why they can't have one done. Uh, for those who don't have a doctor, arrangements are being made uh, so that a, a doctor has volunteered to accept the results. So pretty much any obstacle we have been able to identify, we're working to overcome. So there will not be an excuse or a reason for those who do want or need a mammogram to get one done. All right. Well, good. a lot of good work going over there. And the uh, the other Tom, now I'm afraid to say his last name, and Grawby. <laughs> Tom, you uh, are. I, mean, right. <laughs> I, I, I just made this statement. I feel like the rookie here. I, I've been on social media for years, teaching and putting my words out there. But uh, I, I don't. I, I'm not in your class, so everybody's sitting here. But but I, I'm, I'm as passionate as everybody here. I've, I've just started my blog. I'm learning. I'm learning that uh, people have been listening to my words for a long time, and and now I'm learning how to get it out there and following the best. And that's I'm among the best right now. Well, I mean, it, it is a great blog, and I, that's what I wanted to get in here. How, how do people get to your blog? Uh, my name at WordPress.com, Tom and Growley at WordPress.com. Tom, Tom and Growley at, at WordPress.com. Okay, yeah, that, that uh, it, is no, good. It's Tom and, oh, excuse me, it's Tom and Growley dot WordPress.com. I don't know why, it's, uh, but uh, you could, and you can reach me at Tom and Growley at Yahoo uh, for email. 
Okay, good. Now, I wanted to give you a chance, too, here. I'm I'm watching the clock. It's kind of timing down. But you do have – give us a quick uh, – a few bullet points on the problems with the 14-hour clock. I did want to get that in on the show oh, that, here. That's, that's my biggest pet peeve. That's the root of evil. Everything we've discussed tonight, well, a good portion of what we discussed tonight, starts with that rule of changing the industry, completely shutting down this industry. We play beat the clock because of 14-hour clock. Uh, we, 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 we're, we're stressed. We're, we're, I mean, now there are a few people who like it. Uh, and I, I try to get the percentage of people that have more than 10 years. Um, and I can't. I've been looking for that statistic all over. But a good portion of the industry doesn't understand what the 14 o'clock is because they're all new drivers. Uh, how many senior drivers right. are out there that have over 10 years driving? I'm losing my mind here. I lost my mind again. The senior drivers understood that we drove when we, were, we rested and we, we, we slept when we retired. You don't have that option now with the 14-hour clock. You get up, the clock says drive. I'm a napper. I can nap at any point. When my body says sleep, sleep. Okay, at 9 o'clock at night when I'm done with my 14-hour clock, I'm not ready to sleep. I'm sitting there for hours. And there's many, many drivers out there that don't sleep by the clock. It's half the reason we chose this industry in the first place. So, uh, I got a whole. I could, I could go on for hours on this. You guys have to ask a specific question. Or well, you know, it, it hits yourself. everything. <laughs> it, it hit it, it, the the fourteen hour clock is. You know, it hits fatigue. It hits harassment. It hits the topic of um, the, the, parking. The, the, fatigue is the biggest. <laughs> the, the fatigue is the biggest um, because you're forced to drive. Parking is another issue. We used to we used to go to a customer and we play circle of wagons. You showed up at a customer, and they realized it wasn't parking, but on the way in, you looked for what was a safe place to park, so you went back. Well, half the time you're getting to a customer, and now you're out of time. You don't have time to go back to that safe haven you saw that was 10 miles back. You know, and, and when the clock is counting against you, if I sat for two hours during the day because I didn't want to drive through a school zone or I didn't want to drive during rush hour, uh, that didn't count against me. I still could drive my five hours. My biggest example was 400 miles way back when for us was a day off. Because you got up at 7 o'clock in the morning, you unloaded, you drove 50 miles to a shipper, and you loaded. You drove another 50 miles. Well, guess what? It's lunchtime. I'm going to stop for two hours. And you stop for lunch, you drive two and a half hours, and you're not, now there's another 150 miles in. And now you've just driven 350 miles, and you've goofed off. You know, you, you didn't work. Now, 400 miles in a 14-hour clock is done. You're, you're stretching that seven hours. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I guess, I mean, I'll tell you why. It just seems like that's like, I mean, I don't drive, okay? But I, I read a lot, and it it seems to me like a nightmare. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's the worst thing they ever did, personally. So, I mean, Hal, you're a, hey, I'm going to pull you in here, too. Uh, I mean, you're a veteran driver. What do you think of this 14-hour thing? How have many discussions on this? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Come on, Hal. <laughs> <laughs> we may not agree on procedure, but we usually agree on results. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I've been at this for just a little over 20 years, almost 25 years now. Uh, when with the 14-hour rule, when they first put it together, to me, you know, yeah, a lot of drivers late raised a lot of gripes and complaints about it. But when I started looking at what was going on with the change. Accident rates dropped a whole lot. You know, drivers were getting the rest they need. 
the only case, the, the ones that have really messed with to me that I could see primarily were teen drivers, you know, guys that were, you guys and gals that are out there running teens, trying to get freight delivered across the country. It was screwing them up. It was screwing a lot of them up. They were trying to figure out which way to work the darn system best so it worked proper for them. Now, with these with the new changes with the 30-minute mandatory break and with this change to the 34-hour reset, well, that messed up a whole lot of stuff. I mean, you you got drivers that are accustomed to driving at night as opposed to running during the day because they feel, you know, respectfully, they feel that it's safer to run at night because there's not as much traffic on the road, which they're, they're right. I mean, you pull into a truck stop today, it's jam-packed, and you're fighting for a place to park. It's hard. So, you know, that part of it, you know, the 34-hour reset is the one thing that has really screwed it up. Uh, yeah, but if you take a, a step back on that. Got it. If, see, if, they, see. if they take it back to where it was before, if you park at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, well, and then you don't want to get going till the next evening, well, you know, or, or the evening after, whichever. Well, 34 hours later, your time comes up. Your 34-hour clock goes ding. Oh, good, I got my reset. Now I'm, I'm awake. I'm ready to run for the night. Well, off they go, and they can continue to do the job the way they're normally accustomed to doing it. The way you know now with this change the way it is, it screws up the whole thing for them, and probably well, he is, he, as well on other drivers. You know, the thing with that is, if we were first off paid the way we're supposed to be paid, uh, oh, we yeah. should get two full days off. And if we got oh, two yeah. days off, like the normal person gets home at 5 o'clock on Friday, they're off the whole week and they start on Monday. Okay? If we take two full days off, we don't need a restart. The restart yeah. is a waste. And, and, and the same okay. thing with the 30-minute If we get rid of the 14-hour clock, the 30-minute the 30, 30, 30 break is redundant. Because we can break when we choose to break. We don't have to worry about the clock. We're forced to take a 30-minute break. Um, the best thing ever happened in the industry was the eight-hour mandatory, okay, because yeah. that still can be worked around in a team. It still yeah. can be worked around. Okay, then now the, sh- the truck will have to shut down, which by rights it should. Okay, a team should not run 24 straight hours without stopping. So if a team runs with the eight-hour break, they can, they can shut down for two or three hours in the, in, in the middle of the night and still get 20 miles in. And that truck can be serviced, inspected, and checked. If you're running 24 straight hours, you can't do that. So the eight-hour was the best thing that happened in the industry, and the 14-hour clock was the worst thing that ever happened to this industry. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess it's all. I guess it's all a matter of perspective, too. I mean, from my end, I do a lot of oversized freight. So for me, I mean, the 14-hour rule works good. You know, I can get yes. up in the morning, do my pre-trip, get loaded hop behind the wheel, run my 11 hours or 10 hours or whatever, and then shut down for the night, and I get my full night's rest. You know, I'm, I'm down for the night. That's it. You know, I've got no choice. So I get my rest, and then I get up the next midday and continue on. You know, but to me, I mean, you know, like you're saying, 14-hour rule for a lot of people, it's it's really created a mess for a lot of a lot of drivers. And I would have to imagine for the companies, too, because now they're having to reconfigure when they're going to put these loads on a truck and what truck they're going to put it on, you know, what what hours the drivers have available. I mean, they got so many things they're going to have to be banging their heads up against the wall for in order to help get things figured out so they can, so they can please their company uh, customers and 
keep their drivers moving and, and keep them profitable. Because otherwise they're just, you know, like I say, they're beating their heads up against the wall trying to get things figured out. Some of them, I'm sure, have got it all figured out, and they have no problem with it. But still, on a driver, in the driver aspect, it's a pain in the backside. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure, like Tom said, you know, some like it, but I think the largest majority don't. It works for some, it works for the, it doesn't work for most, I think. But that will be another show, I guess, as our time winds down here. I'll get them all, uh, get them all kicking again here, Donna. So, um, hey, we got to take a break. You have uh, announcements, Donna? I didn't yeah, even ask you. I, yeah, I have a few. All ones. right, time's winding down, but hey, a good show. I appreciate everybody listening and calling in. We'll take this quick break. Donna's going to be back. And uh, wrap it up here with some announcements, and we'll wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truckerlawyers.com, be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. All right, Donna, wrapping it up for the evening. What do you got? Well, you know, I, um, I actually Les sent us a, a, a private message. Um, I don't know if everybody heard, but there was a driver who actually got shot uh, in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, 58-year-old victim, River Falls, Wisconsin. He's in critical conditions, and this guy just walked up and wanted his truck and and um, shot and him in the sh- face. Didn't shot he? him in the face. Yeah. Which, you know... Eden Eden Prairie, I think, Minnesota? Yes, yes, it was. And so I just, you know, I just can't get over it. Um, But will you hear about it on the news? That's the thing. No, no. And and, and the whole thing is now if he had a gun, would that have have helped? I don't know. Not unless it was on him in a holster or something. I mean, I don't know. 
But there's a lot of violence out there, and um, you know, I, it just floored me when I saw it. I just poor guys just you know going to work, and and who would ever think, right? So you never know. But uh, so we, we kind of felt bad about that, very bad. Um, let's see. I did want to just uh, mention a, a few things that I was hoping, Alan, that was going to come up tonight. I'll tell you what, we need we need more than an hour and a half for these open forums because, you know, we just don't get to everybody, and I hate cutting people off. I know you do too, but just to touch on um, a few things, the ELDs, you know, it was required by um, MAP-21, the Highway Funding Act back in 2012, and it's supposed to take place in uh, effective 2017. The final rule is scheduled for September of 2015. Uh, However, the uh, enforcement doesn't begin for another two years following, so that makes it 2017. If everybody remembers, the proposed rule was published in March, and it had a 90-day comment period. Uh, Again, uh, speed limiters, boy, that, that came up fast. I remember talking about those about four years ago and talking about shows and speed limiters and how it was dangerous. Well, a proposed rule may um, speed limiters is expected to be published within the next few months. How's that? And then scheduled for publication in January 2015. And um, uh, the, just like ELDs, you know, it's it's two two years, so they wouldn't be enforced until 2017, but it looks like they're around the corner, too. Uh, we touched on the entry-level driver training, and, you know, FMCSA is still trying to f- figure out how to do this uh, rule thing, so um, we've talked about that on the last show, and it doesn't look like a final rule for that is coming <clears throat> anyway soon. And They know how to do it. They just don't want to because ATA is fighting it because it would cost the trucking companies way too much money to initiate it. So, I mean, it doesn't take 30 years to come up with a simple little rule for CDL training standards. Well, you know, absolutely. And, you know, now they're talking about, you know, reaching a, a negotiated rulemaking and getting people's opinions and this and that. I tell you what, get the get the Canadian Trucking Alliance down there and uh, meet with the FMCSA. They seem to have... Uh, they have it all together. They have it all together. So, um, but, you know, so we're still waiting on that. And like we discussed tonight, everyone knows that the training's a big problem and uh, it, 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 a lot of these accidents... Uh, can can be prevented by having better training. Uh, a lot of the regulations could be softened, if you want, for uh, you know better training. So you know it's 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 pretty it's pretty upsetting. You know it's frustrating. I know I could hear the frustration in in Richard's voice tonight. I know he must be so frustrated going to these meetings and and just dealing with all this. So, uh, drug yeah, and alcohol. Yeah, but I tell you, uh, he, he never gives up. No, no, he doesn't. And and you know what? That That's, you know, the, the, the difference between people when things really matter to you and, um, you know, they don't go your way and you get frustrated and things get thrown at you and you just keep plugging along. And, and we're just very happy to surround ourselves with uh, like-minded people. There's so many of them, too, and we're very grateful. Uh, drug and alcohol clearinghouse, final, another final rule, expected 2015. Uh, when it's implemented, uh, it establishes a database of drivers who have failed or refused to take drug tests. 
carriers uh, would then be required to upload that information uh, at, when making hires and annually for current drivers. So um, that's going on. And now we'll talk about, again, um, the North American Trucking Alerts. We're getting ready to just, you know, bless that final launch out there. I'm sorry. I thought it was going to be done today, but, you know, there's just tweaking going on. And, of course, you know, you're never happy with the way things are, but it's it's on the way uh, to being completed. I want to give a big, huge thank you out to John Burnett of Warhorse uh, Media, um, who is uh, designing designing this website, and he has the patience of a saint. And uh, when it's all said and done, it's uh, it's it's quite a beautiful uh, website. Let me see, what did I do with his his link? Um, did I put that link up? Yes, I did. Warhorsemediadesign.com. So hey, uh, John, if you listen, if you're listening, or if you listen later. That's your uh, shout-out from me tonight. Um, let me get my rest of my notes. Okay, AAA, Awareness, Accountability, and Action. Call for Awareness, Accountability, and Action from all those involved in trucking, drivers, carriers, shippers, receivers, brokers, groups, CDL schools, organizations. It is time to address the truck driver shortage as well as all the issues facing the industry and professional driver and the facts that are leading up to them. Uh, the buck needs to stop at all who are concerned enough to offer support and be a part of real solutions. So that's NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com. Um, and that, again, sorry, a few more days and it's going to be final. Trucking social media, um, very much related to the North American Trucking Alerts. Um, it's a network of websites and social media interactions which share valuable and relevant information among the trucking community. What started out as a resource for new CDL drivers in 2006 has grown into uh, an information hub for many who desire to share their opinions, knowledge, information, and quality products and service. And that's the key words there, quality products and service. So uh, if you go to trucking social media, to the partners page and you see a product or service there, you can know that it's been very well uh, vetted and you can uh, trust that product or service. Uh, basically, the network is designed to attract like-minded people who believe in honesty, transparency, uh, and they believe that those uh, elements are essential when building um, trusting relationships. So come on over to truckingsocialmedia.com. Be a part of the resource page, um, government sites, social media sites. It's got a, a really a, a lot of information over there. And it goes by the slogan, Raising the Standards of the Trucking Industry. Um, if you would like any more information about any of these websites, you can contact um, info at, tr at truthabouttrucking.com or North American Trucking Alerts at gmail.com. And we'll, uh, we'll try to answer whatever questions or concerns you have. Um, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything. Oh, yes, I do. I have something that I saw. I saw it on Overdrive. It's an announcement that says, Attention insulin-dependent drivers. A rule is expected to be published next year that will allow drivers who meet certain standards to pass a medical exam, get this, without needing to get an exemption. So we'll try to have more on that uh, for you uh, next time. 
uh, other than that, I think I'm done. That's it. Um, that's it. You've got a bunch of it up there on your screen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for tuning in, and uh, it was a great show. Appreciate everybody's input, and uh, for those that didn't get much time, uh, we will just do it again, and just let us know, and we'll get you pulled in here. These open forums can get pretty hectic oh. and busy sometimes. Oh, I got. A, I have an announcement. I, I just okay. saw it in the chat room. It's okay. in big red. Richard Wilson. They are revisiting splits sleepers again so i know that's that's something boy if i i don't know what split seat sleepers are but boy do i read it all over the place alan i, I do we have no i guess we don't have time we've got like one minute left of the show we'll have to get that one going well what was what was the announcement again um richard said they're getting this visiting the split sleeper oh uh, yeah oh i guess over at mixap at the meetings we were talking about trying to get drivers to go uh-huh and uh, so I just have to look up. And you look at my screen. Look at the big red letters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, let, he lets you know one way or the other. <laughs> the old splits. Yeah, well, that was uh, kind of goes along with the old rules where, you know, you could you could uh, drive four hours, uh, sleep sleep four hours, and get up. And you could just kind of pretty much just keep rotating and keep going. So yeah. uh, they're looking at that again, huh? Yeah. When are they going to look at that, did he say? Um, is his mic open? Well, I'm wrapping it up here. Oh, okay. He didn't yeah, say. He just all he said. Okay. Got, the little okay. lady screaming at us that we've got to hang up. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. Appreciate it, and uh, your input was great. Made for a great show. Until next time, drive safe, and uh, thanks for listening.